everyone, and welcome to Cisco Champion Radio. Today we are doing, is this episode three of a SecureX group of folks? So I guess we are return of the something. I'll come up with a better pun. Uh, I'm Lauren Friedman Albert, your wayward host for the for the day, uh, also known on the Twitters as at Lauren. Um, and then we have some super awesome folks on the call. So Ben, who are you? What do you do? My name is Ben Story. I'm a security engineer with Red Eye Networks, and I can be found on the Twitters as at NTWRK80. Awesome. And apologies, because apparently my brain can only hold so much in at a time. Other Ben, Ben G. <laughs> who are you? What do you do? Hi, I'm Ben Greenbaum. I work for Cisco. I'm what Cisco calls a technical marketing engineer, which is kind of a liaison between engineering and marketing, as well as engineering and sales and engineering and customers and sometimes engineering and engineering. Um, and I can be found on Twitter rarely, but occasionally as Second Sight, S-E-C-I-N-T-S-I-G-H-T. Awesome. So we can all go Twitter stalk you now. Uh, speaking of Twitter, another person we often see on the Twitters, Fish. Who are you? What do you do? My name is Fish Fishburn, and I am a solution architect uh, in security with Cisco, and I can be found on the Twitters at, uh, at Denise Fishburn. Congratulations. Uh, last but certainly not least, Evan, who are you? What do you do? Oh, yeah. My name is Evan Mincer. I am a, uh, a security manager for Ashfield Healthcare. And I can be found on the Twitterverse at the original handle of at Evan Mincer. Congratulations. You are very original, my friend. All right. Uh, speaking of originality, <laughs> Benji, tell us what is new in the SecureX universe besides the return of the Plith? No, I'll keep going. So SecureX, for those of you tuning in for the first time, is a platform that we've developed here at Cisco to tie multiple Cisco and third-party security and even just general networking and IT technologies together. It's a full platform experience that's part of soon to be all of the Cisco security products right now, most of them. Um, and it gives you access to various kinds of tools to help you uh, achieve security goals. We have an incident manager. We have a threat response, which is a threat investigation and response tool, like it sounds like. Uh, we have orchestration, which is an orchestration and automation tool, like it sounds like. Um, and it's, like I said, it's built into just about every Cisco security product that's available. And if you have many of these products, or if you have just one Cisco security product, but you also have a bunch of third-party uh, open source or other vendor products, it allows you to kind of harness those into a cohesive unit that's more easy for you to leverage quickly and efficiently and effectively to get better visibility and better response capability in less time. I love that we play well with others. Um, did we want to talk about anything new or do folks just want to dive in with their burning questions? Before we go into that, let, let's get this this question out of the way because we're talking about data. and, and Privacy! Exactly. The amount of data that's coming in. So, so Ben... What do we deal with when it comes to regulations like, you know, the infamous GDPR? 
So that's a, a really good question, and the answer to that is probably not what people expect, because people are coming at this with an expectation that in order for this to work, you have to collect all the data into one place. You know, that traditional SIM model, the big data model, the pile of bits model, um, where all of the logs go into one place. You have to buy duplicate storage for all of this and then try to make any sense of it, and there's no such thing as a cohesive uniform data model at play, so you have to mess with all of that. And then, of course, there's the privacy concerns about having all of your sensitive security information in one place and where even is that place on the planet and who's in charge of that we don't have those problems because that's not how we do it we don't gather all the data together and try to shovel through it later we ask the individual products that are already keeping their own data the privacy concerns of which hopefully you've already addressed before you bought them and started operationalizing them we ask those locations hey what do you know about this thing that i'm currently investigating over their APIs. And SecureX only collects the answers to those specific questions and only for as long as it takes for you to perform that investigation and then uh, assumedly move on to the next investigation. So it's not, for the most part, you know, this giant bit bucket that you have to worry about who's watching over it. Um, also, we have the infrastructure itself set up in three regions. So you don't have to ship, you know, even that small amounts of data halfway across the world to be able to view it again later. Um, it's available in North America and in Asia and in Europe. And for most people around the world, that level of geospecificity is enough to handle whatever privacy regulations they might be uh, might be applicable to them in those regions. So it's kind of a twofold answer. One, we have, you know, the multiple geographic regions that you can choose from. And two, we're not actually collecting data in any additional place, certainly not for any length of time. So so really, if you're you know, if you're an umbrella customer or an amp for endpoints customer, you've already gone through that that we'll call it a mess of a GDPR. When you dealt with those products, you don't, you're not going through it again. Exactly. All SecureX is going to do is when you're investigating, you know, a file hash or a domain or whatever it is, uh, SecureX is going to ask the AMP for Endpoints cloud, in the AMP for Endpoints example, or your umbrella cloud, is this file hash that I'm currently investigating, is this domain that I'm currently investigating in your records of my network's activity? And you've already trusted that location to store those records, and all SecureX is doing is parsing, is asking those products to parse through those records that you've already approved for answers to specific questions. So if there's a GDPR problem, you as the owner of your own devices should have figured that one out yourselves. And we're just here to help. That's a very pointed way of describing it, but it's not wrong. <laughs> I love when I attempt to make a simplified an, uh, analogy and you all just kind of pause and like, oh, what's wrong? All right. Okay. Back to the show. <laughs> I have a question, Ben. This is a really off the wall question, but what is yes. your absolute favorite thing about SecureX? And don't give like the Cisco marketing answer. Give what you actually think is like the coolest thing that you've seen SecureX do or play with. And by the way, there's only one right answer and we you will be judged. Go on. <laughs> no, for realsies. For realsies, Ben. I was teasing. Well, I'm glad there's only one right answer because that means that one of the three I'm about to give might be it. Um, so I guess 
what's the what's what's my favorite thing about SecureX? Yeah. It's it's yeah. hard to it's hard to nail down to be honest. But one of my favorite things is orchestration, because if you've been a Cisco customer for some time, you've been a Cisco security customer specifically for some time, you've probably heard of Cisco Threat Response, which was kind of the predecessor to all of SecureX now. And so Threat Response is is great and is very powerful, and our customers, you know, thousands and thousands of customers have made great use of it. But orchestration is new to the table. It's not new software. It's based on something that we've been deploying for our cloud customers for several years now, but we've added it to kind of the security platform, the SecureX, and people are still exploring what it's capable of. So orchestration is that kind of low code, no code, in many cases, drag and drop way to harness different technologies together into these defined you know, programs in quotes. It's, it's radio, so you can't see my finger quotes, but these programs that you didn't have to write. You just assembled by dragging and dropping different steps from different products and you can pass information between them. I mean, it's essentially a programming language without needing to know how to program in any language. Um, and it's super exciting. And our users are really finding new and novel ways to use this, which leads us into another one of my favorite things, which is that users are figuring out how to use these foundational tools we've released as SecureX in ways that we didn't necessarily even predict or envision ourselves when we laid this out. Um, so an example of that would be like back in the threat response days when it was the entirety of our offering in, 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 as a security platform. Everything you can do via the user interface in the browser, you can also do over the API. What's in the browser, what you're seeing in a browser is actually just a client for the API itself. And so part of what you can do in threat response is you can paste in this entire blog article or just use the, the browser plugin to do so. And threat response... The SecureX threat response still does this. We'll go through all of that content and pick out what are the observables. You know, here's a blog article, but it included this email address and it included this file hash and included this domain name. And you get back this ordered list, right? Sorry, this, this discrete list of individual items that could be investigated. And it was doing that because that's part of what you have to do to be able to, you know, do an investigation straight off of a blog post or at a security advisory or something. But because SecureX threat response can do it, it's part of the API. And because it's part of the API, you can hit that API endpoint and make that request. And it doesn't even matter if you're going to follow the rest of the chain. If you just have a bunch of text and you need to extract the investigatable observables out of this, maybe you've already got a process in place to investigate domains. You could just use the API to pull out all of the observables from any arbitrary block of text. And then you can get that list back and you can filter out just the domains. and You can feed that to whatever technology you may have already homebrewed yourself. And customers, a couple of our customers were doing this. And it was kind of a light bulb moment for us because we knew that the API did this because we you know, wrote it and we needed it to be able to do that to drive the UI capabilities that we had in mind when we wrote it. But the idea of just using that individual API endpoint to do just that was something that wasn't a design priority by any stretch. And yet our customers are finding ways to use the capabilities that we've developed that we hadn't previously imagined at all. Um, we've had customers using... This actually goes against my earlier answer, but I'll explain. We've had customers using one of the capabilities of SecureX Threat Response, the private intelligence feature, as a SIM. So the private intelligence feature doesn't collect data, but it'll store data if you give it data. So this is completely optional on the user's part. If you've got GDPR or privacy concerns about doing that, the answer is don't do that. But it's something that's <laughs> possible. Okay, And so some of our users were using that private intelligence feature which was meant to store, you know, sightings uh, within your own network. It was meant to store security intelligence that you may be paying for or that's available to you because you're part of an information sharing collective, like a search or something. 
but they were using it as a sim and uploading logs from their devices that didn't have other tie-ins into threat response you know, third-party devices, homebrewed devices in some cases, and, and putting those incidents up into the private intelligence storage and, and basically using it as a sim. Um, let's see, what else? Uh, creating incidents in our built-in incident manager, very similar to the previous example, but, you know, creating those formalized data structures that SecureX uses as an incident record based off of third-party technology or their own SOC teams just writing up and documenting incidents and whatnot. So these are all just examples of, of the broader category of my favorite thing about SecureX, which is just users finding out ways, customers finding out ways to leverage the foundational bricks that we've provided as SecureX in order to build the security structures that they need in ways that we didn't predict when we wrote the thing. So you have customers unlocking new capabilities. Could we call this return of the locksmith? <laughs> they're unlocking, yeah, they're, they're, they're unlocking new business case solutions. They're using the capabilities that we obviously intentionally wrote for them, but in novel and interesting ways. Awesome. That is really cool. Yeah, I can see how that's exciting. That's, that's, that's really totally neat. my favorite thing. Yeah. Ben, if I, could go, if I could go back before you say it. So regarding GDPR, though, this is a case where this is not, it's not collecting data on its own. The customer has to go out of the way to collect the data. So That's exactly it is, very true. It is GDPR yes. compliant because the customer has to do it on their own. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, you own. know, you go to the doctor and you say it hurts when I do this. Well, then the doctor says, don't do that. It's kind of that exactly. response. Exactly. So Ben, uh, you were talking about the orchestration part being one of your favorite parts. Can you share, you know, like a use case that, you know, you guys have seen from the customers, you know, maybe a, a certain workflow that they came up with? For various reasons, I kind of can't, but I can tell you this. Um, one tell of your favorite one you made up <laughs> that you've come up um, with yourself. Um, pulling. Go ahead. Yeah, the, the, I, I like pulling samples out of various, uh, we'll call it repositories, and submitting them to ThreatGrid, our malware analysis platform, um, and then also using uh, ThreatGrid to hunt for observables directly. This is something that's not currently supported in SecureX or SecureX Threat Response, but you can certainly do it over the API and therefore you can do it in orchestration. Um, and searching through the records of, you know, files, malicious files being detonated in the threat grid environment. Okay, have any malicious files that were detonated contacted this CNC domain that I'm interested in for whatever reason. Uh, it allows you kind of to, to front run features that you can probably expect in SecureX, not that I'm promising that specific feature, but if there's something that it seems like SecureX should do and it's not doing yet, like we have this long list in engineering of things that we're knocking off to add capabilities to SecureX, but you can skip ahead with orchestration. You can just make it do that yourself because it can talk to any RESTful API. Even RESTful APIs that our engineering teams haven't specifically targeted for integration or even something that we haven't heard of, even something you wrote yourself, you could talk to any RESTful API using orchestration, which like greatly widens the possibilities of what you can integrate to be nearly infinite as more and more technologies move towards a RESTful API architecture. Is there a limit to the number of, I guess, steps you can plan out with orchestration or am I fundamentally misunderstanding things? Yes to both. Uh, okay, cool. awesome. <laughs> not, I mean, the answer is no. The, the, the answer is no to both in a way um, because there, there's not a limit that we have set to how many steps can be in an orchestration workflow. And in fact, you can save a workflow 
as a step mm-hmm. and then reuse it again that foundational building bricks upon bricks building houses building neighborhoods etc and so you can save a workflow as a step and then use it in other workflows and then you, you can use it multiple times in other workflows you can use multiple such steps that are themselves workflows in a single workflow so while physically there's probably some limit there's no enforced limit and we're not planning to set or enforce any such limit. It's like calling functions. So you can make workflows and then have them be like a function and then you call that function and you can save exactly. all this off. Yeah. yeah so I'm just sense. imagining eventual spaghetti code from customers, but I think that's going to be up to them to keep track of things. It can be more hierarchical. So you can make functions just like with normal coding. So you can say, go do A and then you go to that function and then it goes and does whatever discrete thing it's supposed to do for you. Mm-hmm. Nice. And it returns some value and you read yeah. that in as the next step in your, your higher level workflow. Absolutely. Um, and, and we're going to be releasing some additional workflows uh, in, in our GitHub. So uh, if, if this kind of thing interests you, go to github.com slash Cisco security and just search for the word orchestration or search for the acronym SXO for secure X orchestration. And you'll see some workflows that were written by actually my team and some other teams here in Cisco um, to, to kind of give you a jumpstart uh, on, on integrating some additional kinds of technologies and additional kinds of tasks that you can do via orchestration. I was about to ask that. So that's ask, cool. Yeah, I was going to ask you about <laughs> yeah. those too. Yeah. It's like, it's like, do we have a GitHub for it? This is fantastic. Yep. Okay. That's, that's really... Do. So this is where over the time that some of the some of the, the Cisco peeps, the engineers have been writing their own and saying, well, we'll share it with people. So that way you as a as anyone as a customer can go out and check theirs out and then, exactly. of course, do, do a better job. <laughs> Possibly. Possibly. <laughs> I'm not going to go on record say that except for the fact that I just did. But I mean, again, we've provided the tools. We provided the building blocks. We provided the, the Lego bits. We provided these bricks that you can use to build the structures that you need. And so would that GitHub also be where you would encourage customers to share if they're willing to share what they've developed? No. This is that GitHub is the official Cisco Security GitHub, and we're using it as a clearinghouse for things written by the Cisco Security teams. Um, as for communal sharing, because you can integrate GitHub directly in SecureX orchestration. You can, anybody can, we couldn't even stop them if we wanted to, can share workflows on GitHub in their own repos. I mean, honestly, you could share them on a website. You can write them on a napkin. It doesn't matter. There are just the the little text files. A completed workflow can be exported as a a JSON text file, basically. And you can share them in any way that, you know, the internet has been allowing files to be shared for 30 years. So interpretive dance we're on. You could totally do such a thing. It could be performance art <laughs> workflow sharing. That's correct. So, so Ben, is it only the REST API or can you use something like RESTConf? Uh, it's not only the REST API. I use that as my example because it's one of the most easily understood and popular uh, protocols. But we do have adapters, they're called, for other protocols. We have adapters for specific technologies that are that are fairly you know, self-explanatory and intuitive. Um, you've got an adapter for ServiceNow. You've got an adapter for Amazon Web Services. You've got an adapter for Duo, etc. Um, but you can also have adapters that are genericized. So we have this HTTP adapter. Um, there's a Python adapter that allows you to write your own Python. Python scripts and upload them and they become part of your workflow. Um, we also are about to release, I don't have a date, but I know that it's in the works, an IMAP adapter, which will allow your orchestration scripts or workflows to be kicked off by the receipt of an email. And so you can oh, very work, cool. 
Yeah, so you can, you can send an email to an address and orchestration will then do a thing, whatever you wrote it to do. Maybe it's going to parse that email for domains and then go see if it's a phishing domain using ThreatGrid or something. Um, you, could, you could even put commands in the email and orchestration would then react to the, the instructions that you gave it in the email. Obviously, there's some concerns around that. Um, but you could, you could do such a thing if you wanted to. And we're going to be allowing you to parse attachments on those emails and all kinds of other really interesting tools that allow it to become one, a very powerful email security tool, uh, and two, another kind of command channel that you can use to kick off security processes. That's part of the free part of, of SecureX, right? That's correct. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, we're also working on, this is currently an alpha testing, uh, and so again, I don't have a date for that, um, but we're working on an on-premise orchestration relay, which will allow you to use all of the existing orchestration adapters through this relay to talk to on-site devices. Um, the design is going to be similar to the design of the threat response on-premise relay, where it's the on-premise devices that initiate the connection, so you don't have to worry about opening up new firewall holes or anything like that. The on-premise devices will initiate a connection to the cloud and say, hey, I'm here listening for instructions, what do you want? And then your orchestration scripts can actually talk to these security devices inside your network, and they can be used to you know, collect information from, to do searches, to query logs, or to enact security control and policy changes. So, so I mean, it sounds a lot like SecureX is leaning towards like the XDR world. <laughs> uh, yes. Um, and so there's a cycle for these acronyms. Uh, I'm going to try to to keep my happy marketing face on. Um, there's a cycle to these acronyms. No, take it off. Take it off. Don't touch the third rail, man. <laughs> and we're currently in the part of the hype cycle for XDR where everybody wants to be that. Um, yeah, and everybody yeah. who doesn't already have one is frantically scrambling to build one. But we're in a, a somewhat privileged position here in that we have had a broad security portfolio for uh, running on to a decade now. Um, we were XDR before it was cool in a lot of ways. Threat response really tied everything together three and a half years ago into mm -hmm. a single usable tool set for the use cases of security investigation and threat investigation, threat hunting, incident response, which are, you know, some of the big ones in the SOC. Um, and now XDR is a thing. It's an acronym and, and we're going through it and go, yeah, this is, you know, thanks for catching up everybody. This is kind of what we've been doing. So yeah, I'm not going to say that we designed secure X to be an XDR, but now that people are talking about that set of capabilities put together into that acronym, we're noticing that, yeah, you know, check, check, check. We're kind of there. Um, and the same thing happened with SIM, uh, except that SIM acronym was there first, but we developed SecureX and, and realized even though we're doing this very differently than the SIM market does, we're solving the same business problems. And the same is true of SOAR and SecureX orchestration. And the same is true to a large extent with TIMP, Threat Intelligence Management Platform, and SecureX, including that private intelligence uh, capability that I was talking about earlier. So is SecureX, along with the products that SecureX ties together, an XDR? We didn't develop it for that purpose, but I'm going to fairly confidence, confidently say, again, we solve the same business problems. Right. Makes sense. Now it's a pretty shiny XDR. Ooh la la. So, so Ben, we have the, uh, the interface. That's the web browser interface. Anything new coming along with that? Well, there's, there's a number of UIs for our different products. 
um, that which, which anybody who's a user of multiple Cisco products is is well familiar with. And one of the things that we're doing to help overcome the challenges that that entails is SecureX includes a thing called the ribbon. And this is not a new <gasps> thing in SecureX. It was part of the initial rollout. But the ribbon is kind of a little heads-up display that's built into now a lot of these different UIs. And we're moving the UIs to a more cohesive, you know, design structure and kind of kind of making it so that you know, properly when you look at a couple different Cisco security user interfaces, you can tell that, yes, these actually came from the same company now. Um, <laughs> the ribbon really gives you that cohesive user experience as you switch from UI to UI across the, you know, across Cisco security space. There's this thing that's always there, always with you. And it actually brings functionality from multiple products together so that you can do things like, for example, um, if you're using, if you've got the, the AMP licensing tier that includes Orbital, you can kick off an Orbital query from any Cisco security user interface that has the ribbon because it's included in the ribbon. Um, in SecureX, you have the concept of casebooks and incidents, which are different ways of recording information that are relevant to a specific investigation or an incident, as the title suggests. And you have access to those storage facilities from any UI that has the ribbon because it, the ribbon has it. And so the ribbon is this way of going, you know, taking your, your best response capabilities, your best tracking capabilities, your best investigative tools, your best response tools with you from product to product without you having to worry about, okay, I need to block a file on my endpoints. Which product is it again that does that? Okay, I need to copy the hash. I need to go over to AMP for endpoints. I need to paste it into, you know, the, the customize my, uh, my custom um, detection list. You don't have to do any of that anymore because anywhere that has a ribbon on any file hash, you can just hit that drop down pivot menu and go, you know, click, click, add to block list, done. You don't have so, to be an AMP. You don't have to swivel over to AMP. The idea is that you're a Cisco security customer. That should be enough. You don't have to worry about which of your products handles which response capabilities. And we're, we're really trying to abstract away that layer of having to remember which product does what and where in the UI is it. And what, you know, using the different dictionaries, perhaps from different products, even third party products, we're trying to give you a place to bring all of your tools together. And if you just picture, you know, that multi-tool worn on somebody's belt, that's the ribbon. And it's available in many of our Cisco security user interfaces today. And as we continue to integrate more Cisco security products into the SecureX family, as it were, it'll be in more of them and eventually, hopefully, all of them. I do want to say I really like the ribbon. I think the ribbon's actually really pretty cool. That was a really good idea. I can't say that it was mine, but thanks. Uh, <laughs> I, I find it very useful as well. Um, and I, I, more importantly than me finding it useful, I've spoken to a lot of our customers and yeah, they really do like not having to copy and paste and, and, and go between different bookmarks in their browser to get things done. We're saving organizations a bunch of time that they didn't even in many cases previously realize they were, they were wasting by, by having to do all this like manual clicky tasky work. It definitely helps with the feel with the better integration. And uh, a neat thing that's coming out soon um, is if you're familiar with the browser plugin for threat response, we're going to be releasing a new version of that that effectively is the ribbon, but in your browser. And so therefore, everywhere you go, the same way that the current browser plugin gives you threat response capabilities, you know, from previously what was known as Cisco threat response, the artist previously known as CTR, um, <laughs> now known... Now SecureX Threat Response goes with you with you everywhere in your browser. But when the new version of that plugin comes out, uh, 
and we're talking a time uh, time frame of like a month or so. Uh, it might roughly, be out by the time we publish this too. It actually might. <laughs> That's also true. Um, yeah. But you're going to have the entire ribbon. So you're going to have immediate access to casebooks, immediate access to your incident manager, and immediate access to Orbital, if you have that, and any other apps that get listed in the uh, in the ribbon. And the ability to feed it content from literally anything you can load in your browser. So whether that's, you know, a text file or a PDF that you got via some other way, whether it's the web accessible management interface of any other security or networking product, or whether it's your favorite uh, threat intelligence vendor or your ISAC webpage or whatever it is, you'll have the ribbon there as well. One of okay, the perks so quick of question the... for the like people sitting in the corner with the dunce hat. What's orbital? You've brought it up a few times. I'm assuming yeah, yeah. it's something that looks at things because eyeballs. But it just... is. Uh, okay. Orbital is our deep endpoint inspection and querying capability. Um, it's based on an open source technology called OS Query. It basically treats system state like a database, and you can write your own, you know, very SQL-like queries. Uh, close enough. I'm just going to call them SQL queries. Um, and and you can get detailed information about you know one endpoint or tens of thousands of endpoints. All at once. Now, Orbital comes awesome. with this Thank catalog. You. Orbital comes with this catalog of queries that are pre-written, so you don't actually have to know SQL to be able to make use of Orbital. But if you do know SQL, you can make a lot more use of Orbital. It's included in a couple of the licensing tiers of AMP for endpoints, and it allows you to do things like, you know, across my 20,000, 30,000 endpoints that I've got deployed, what are the file hashes of currently running processes that currently have a network connection open to this domain? You know, that level of detail, actually beyond that, that's just an example. But you get that kind of deep, broad visibility nearly instantaneously. And now that that is encapsulated in the ribbon, and now that the ribbon is going to be in the browser, you'll be able to insert information that you pick up from anywhere easily into an orbital query and get that kind of deep, broad visibility at a moment's notice from any input whatsoever. Awesome. Thank you. Can I go backwards real quick? You were saying okay. that you, there's also the adapter for um, AWS. Is that right, Ben? That's correct. Yes, there is. So can you, I've been sitting here trying to figure out, like, what would you use that adapter for AWS for? Because I think it's cool. I mean, I really like the fact that we have stuff that works with, like, you know, non-Cisco things. So what would the adapter for AWS, what would an example of that be? What would it do? Yeah, I'm going to caveat this by saying that I am not an AWS expert. Um, however, <laughs> it allows you to do things like change security policy, assign policy to users, remove policies from users, spin up images. Uh, in some cases, I think create and edit images, shut down images. Um, and, and, and many of those AWS account management type tasks you can certainly currently perform in a manual fashion, but because AWS has an API that you can use to do all of this, you can do it from orchestration using that adapter as well. Are That's we doing cool. this with the other cloudy providers like G oh, Yeah, no. so the, the so question Ali, was about GC. AWS because I mentioned yeah. it earlier as an example. But yes, we also do other other cloud solutions. Cloudy, cloudy, doing. cloudy. Yes. <laughs> we, have, we have many my cloudy integration is, points. My whole goal, Denise, is just to make you laugh. <laughs> I like Sorry, that. Benji. <laughs> the other cloudy devices. Companies, but yes. Cloudy companies. Cloudy yes. companies. And then I broke the podcast. <laughs> we Sorry, derailed guys. everybody. So so Ben, we, we talked, you know, about obviously about orchestration, about CTR, about the better integrations with the uh, other Cisco products. I hear there's some renaming coming up with some of them. Uh. 
<laughs> that noise is the appropriate reaction to somebody oh, in sorry. my position. Oh, um, Was that out loud? <laughs> <laughs> we sorry, are, and bad. it's a good thing. It's a good thing. Um, so it is. Because our customers have told us it would be a good thing, so we did it. Uh, it's a lot of work for some of us on this end of the microphone, but uh, the issue is that Cisco Security has this broad portfolio that I've mentioned and bragged about before. And we have dozens and dozens and dozens of different product names that don't always map intuitively to what they do. We've got Umbrella, which is you know DNS and cloud services security. Um, and it's called Umbrella, which is a cool name. And it kind of makes sense because, you know, the umbrella up protecting you from things falling from the clouds. Okay, that makes perfect sense, really. But when you say something, and it, you know, you're going to use Umbrella to do this, it's not intuitive to the user. Um, that's not a dig at Umbrella. We have Threat Grid. Well, what is the grid of threats used for? Um, we have Duo. Well, what is that? And so we're moving to a naming structure that's more descriptive of the function that the product provides and so amp stands for advanced malware protection but many people don't actually know that and so it's going to become cisco secure endpoint so orbital be cisco secure looky things i'm going to vote that you're in charge of renaming things <laughs> yes um but we're consolidating <laughs> some of the naming face. as well exactly yeah. looky mclooky face uh <laughs> well this like i fired like one of my favorites stealth watch which was now my favorite secure x with stealth watch aside kind of like a little, like fries, but uh, like StealthWatch, I think is now uh, traffic analytics, which makes a lot more sense. It's traffic analytics. So yeah, I know. Exactly. Yeah, I like, we're describing I like the, naming. the function and, provided yeah. and we're, we're, yeah. we're streamlining some things together because we had multiple different names for products that provide the same functionality. And so we're getting rid of some of that redundancy. Um, and it means a ton of work for, for marketing departments and for engineering as well on our end, but it's going to simplify things for our users. It's going to get over some of the confusion that is taking time, you know, again, time out of the day, uh, which product do I need to do this? Which product do I need to do that? Well, I need to secure my endpoints. Maybe I should use Cisco secure endpoint because that's pretty intuitive. Um, and I can see this helping I can see this really helping actually not with our IT users, but like with them when they get it into finance and finance is like, what the heck are you buying? And they'll be like, well, it's secure, Cisco secure stuff. And they'll be like, ah, oh, yes. Awesome. You're buying an umbrella. What? Yeah. I, I why, why? This is a, <laughs> this umbrella. Yeah. I mean, really? <laughs> wow. It's for, it's for when you have clouds in the data center. <laughs> I'm just sad That's that my, my recommendation for the new name for ThreatGrid didn't go anywhere. Nobody nobody wanted to actually call it malware execution as a service. <laughs> that sounds like a mess. <laughs> Nicely done. But I'm bumped. So that that's great. So base and the nice thing too is when you go to like the C level suite, why the hell are you spending money for an umbrella? <laughs> But but actually, well, AMP too. I mean, you then have to describe what what is AMP. But secure endpoints. I think they'll be like, yes, we want our endpoints to be secure. Yes, please. No, I think it's good. I, I like the I like the renaming. So I, I assume that renaming is coming up since I've heard about it. I think it's I already. Think we... Yeah, it's already it's already like out and about. Yeah, well, it's a it's an iterative it process. Yeah, it's an iterative process as well. So we're not renaming everything the same day, but product names are being migrated to this new naming convention, Cisco Secure this, Cisco Secure that. It's all going to be, you know, the Cisco Secure 
is kind of the brand of the portfolio. And then the individual function provided by that product is is the, the third part of that name. Um, and every product has its own engineering team, which has its own release cycles. And so we're not making everybody, you know, stop what you're doing and rename it on this date. But as they release additions, as we roll out new features and new functionalities into all of the products, um, we're, we're changing the name at a time that makes sense in that product's evolution as well. Awesome. So as to not piss them off. Sorry. <laughs> you you don't want to anger your engineers. You do not. <laughs> no, you really don't. <laughs> so so it's re- it's really awesome that that Cisco is doing a great job of of working together, bringing the products together, and with the change in the marketing term, it makes it even more evident. So and you probably don't want to hear this, but there are customers that have bought other non Cisco products. So is there a way? Yeah, is there a way that SecureX can then work with those products if the customer happens to buy someone else? And I won't name anyone, but someone else. Uh, absolutely, and for some of, I mean, that's that's one of the the strong points of SecureX. It was one of the design goals from day one. Um, we we know that sometimes people spend security money on things that don't say Cisco on them for whatever reason, um, and and we want it to be a perk of being a Cisco security customer that even those non Cisco products work better for you if you're also a Cisco security customer. And so we have nearly built-in support. Um, and I say nearly just because there is a little bit of user configuration that has to be done to bring each one of these in. But we have dozens of third-party products and services for which we have written code on our end uh, in partnership with them, writing code on their end, so that they are SecureX capable, we call it. Um, and they're they're listed in the modules page, uh, you know, Chronicle, various Microsoft security and cloud products, all kinds of, of other third-party vendor tools and products that you can tie into SecureX in very nearly out-of-the-box, if not directly out-of-the-box fashion. And also, because of orchestration and those protocol generic adapters, because SecureX has this open and well-documented API. The help for SecureX, if you log into SecureX and you go to the help, includes prototyping tools. You could use the API and test out your API calls right in your browser because we want people to be able to do this kind of thing. This is what I'm talking about when I say we gave bricks so that you can build your structures. Um, so there's there's a couple different layers of support here. One, there's the like partnership support where we have worked with the third-party vendor and both of us together as organizations have brought to you this integration so that you can use that third-party thing in SecureX. Um, if you go to cs.co slash all caps, C-S-T-A, security, we'll sorry, Cisco, Cisco Security Technology Alliance, I believe. Um, but you get this whole list of, of third-party vendors that work with various parts of the Cisco security portfolio, including SecureX. And then there's the level of, you know, they can write their own or you as a customer of theirs can write your own to be able to tie that third-party thing, almost limitless, whatever it is, in with SecureX in some way, whether that's being able to query that third-party thing as part of every investigation you do in SecureX threat response, or whether it's being able to take actions using that third-party thing as a response capability in threat response, uh, whether it's using it via orchestration. There's all these different angles, all these different possibilities for custom arbitrary third-party integrations that, again, you know, our engineers might not have even had in mind, probably didn't even have in mind, when they were writing the APIs and the orchestration services that will allow it. And I think that's really the fantastic thing that I love about SecureX is that we're actually really solving uh, the problems and the issues of the customers in the SOC, regardless of uh, specifically all Cisco shop. 
I'm sorry, go awesome. on, Lauren, off to you. Oh, I was just going to say, you know, this is so fantastic. Um, learning one, about one all quick this. thing, Lauren, I was just, oh, just going to say one quick thing. So it, it's great, though, that, that we're doing all this and that Cisco is basically said SecureX is free as long as you have a, a, another Cisco product, such as secure endpoints, not imp for endpoints, secure endpoints. Exactly. <laughs> free with purchase of any qualifying product, which is soon going to be all the Cisco secure products, but right now is only most of them. I'm going to use your voice for outtakes. Um, free with free with no per, per, uh, Okay, okay. I'll stop going all over the place. Thank you, everyone. This has been awesome. Uh, Benji, thank you for putting up with my terrible puns. Ben S., I saw your forehead touch, so apologies for getting you to a Fauci 5. Uh, everyone else, thanks for listening. This has been Cisco Champion Radio. Uh, please listen again. You can find us wherever the heck you download your favorite podcasts. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>